Hey guys, this is Coach Rowe with Players First, and this is our podcast with Damon Altizer. I cannot stress the importance and the thrill it was to have Damon on the podcast. He is a, just such a great basketball mind, but he's only outperformed by the incredible person he is. He's from Driven Training in Virginia. I could, I would encourage you to check out any of the driven training guys. Definitely, Dave, definitely Coach Altizer, but there's also um, Coach Shaughnessy from New Jersey, and Coach Dixon and Coach uh, Hensley from Virginia. But um, those are all tremendous guys. Driven training is just really, really up the game. They're great personal people. They care about the kids first. They always put players first, which is great for us and great. What we that's just exactly in line with what we do here in the Midwest. Um, you're going to get a lot of inside view of what um, of the basketball per- player development world is about, and just the dedication and 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 fortitude it takes to make sure that that you're always every day out there for the kids. And these are here are all great guys to to get that to get that from. So I encourage you check out the rest of this podcast. I am so super super psyched. Appreciate you. Hey guys, this is Coach Rowe with Players First, and this is our podcast message today, and we have a special guest, Damon Altizer from Driven Training in Virginia has joined us. This is going to be, hopefully, a first appearance of, of quite a few that we get to have him take some time out and spend some time with us. We're going to talk about his background today and just about what it takes to be to, to get to his level and also... What he, what his thoughts are on the current state of youth basketball. I don't think it's as drier and negative as people out there want to make it out to be sometimes. So I'd like to welcome Damon. What's up, Coach? How are you doing? I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time out. It's been a big deal. Could you guys, could you give everybody like a little background about yourself? Yes, you have a very interesting background as well. Um, and just give us a little bit of, you know, snippets of what it was like to get to the level that you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so out of uh, out of high school, I went to the University of Virginia. Um, most of my recruiting interest as a player was at the uh, at the Division two, II, Division three level. Um, decided to go to UVA and ended up walking on there. And when I graduated, I actually started out with an engineering job. Uh, moved back to my hometown. Had the you know your kind of standard nine to five. Uh, and I started working with some kids locally in the area who had reached out because I'd walked on and. Their parents just kind of said, hey, you know, we work with work with our kids and quickly found that I had a passion for it. I had worked with some of the guys who have done this for a very long time, like Gannon Baker, when I was in high school. Um, really enjoyed that, the player development side. And so when I, when I got in the gym with these kids, you know, it just really found a passion and started reaching out to different guys like like Gannon and going to going to coaching clinics and things like that. And you know, it started working with guys like him, um, like Michael Lancaster, and you know, it's kind of expanded to the point over the past six, seven, eight years where where I've been able to do it. You know, now it's it's my full time job, and you know, just been very, very fortunate, very blessed to be around great people to put me in great positions to meet other great people, and and through that, opportunities came. Um, and and not a day goes by. I know that there's so many guys who try to do this and. It's a part-time job. It never becomes full-time, and and in being able to do it full-time, you know, there's, you know, it's just I've just been very, very fortunate. 
What would you say, like, was the turning point between, you know, moving, you know, doing it part-time or doing it, you know, you know, just off and on kind of, you know, with just a few kids to be able to do it full-time? What was, what do you think was, you know, like your, your wow moment there? I think, uh, I mean, from just a mentality standpoint, the biggest thing was just the passion never, you know, the passion is never dimmed. Um, you know, the, the candle burns just as brightly now as it did the, that first week that I was in the gym, you know, working with kids. And then kind of a, a real turning point was there, there had to be the understanding from, from a business perspective that if this was going to be full time, then I had to be very strategic and I had to plan long term. You know, like so many guys, I know the first year or so I was doing this, the, the thought process was if I can charge this and I can get 50, day, you know, 50 kids and I can work eight and nine and 10 hours a day on court. Um, but that's, that's difficult and there's not, not only is it not sustainable, but there's not always enough gym space for that. I mean, skill training is somewhat seasonal. And I think for me, like taking that, you know, kind of that, that level of maturation on the business side was, was very important into doing something that could not just be a, hey, you know, here comes, you know, somebody's handing me dollar bills or a check, but something that's sustainable and can support not only myself, but my family. For sure, you know, and I don't think people take that into consideration that when you do this full time, that that's that's what you're doing. You're you're doing that that to sustain your family and to take care of yourself. And I don't think everyone always takes that into consideration when they're they're looking at this. They just see the, you know, making your own schedule or getting to be in the gym every day. They see the, the more the glamorous aspects of it, and not the work ethic part of it. They don't understand right, that absolutely. getting up early and working hard every day. Absolutely. What would you say, like, if you had to pick a moment out that was like your dirt moment of like when you, when you like volunteered and you were like just trying to get in the gym, just trying to work with people, you know, what were some sacrifices you made overall that, you know, like that, just like working for free or anything like that? I mean, all of us go through those things. I'd like to hear, you know, what some of the things you had to go through. Yeah, absolutely. I made, uh, you know, when I first started out, when I, you know, when I was doing the engineering job as well, we were, so we were in a gym with with no AC and the days where I had my my nine to five and as an engineer that it wasn't so much nine to five as it was six a.m. to three. Uh, so you know I was up at four thirty to make sure I was at work on time and finish at three. Got to the gym at four and you know by that time by the end of that first summer it expanded where I was in the gym until nine or ten at night. Go home, sleep a couple hours, and do it again. Um, and then even now, like I mean you know coach, we talked we talked repeatedly. I think once. Once you get to a certain point and you're doing it full time, guys, guys assume that those moments aren't there anymore. Um, but they absolutely are. And that's part of what you have to embrace and part of what you have to know is it's going to make you be able to sustain doing it full time. You know, we together, we've, we've slept, swept gym floors or cleaned up sweat. And, yep. you know, you have to be, you might be in an unair conditioned gym or you have to go in early in the morning or late at night. Um, you know, those moments that, that we all talk about early in our careers that may be more frequent, they never really stop. Um, but that's what I think that's what part of being a servant is. Like we're, we're absolutely a servant to these players. And sometimes that may mean doing the non-glamorous things. There's not going to be an Instagram video of us sweeping up, the, you know, wiping up the sweat or filling up a water bottle. But you better believe absolutely. if we want to do it the right way, we need to be doing those things. Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't, I don't think that a lot of guys um, – who look at this from the outside, guys and girls who look at this from the outside, realize that there's so many small things that go into making it, you know, be able to be sustainable and be able to be a full-time job. Um, so typically, you know, you spend a lot of time with some 
some high quality players. And then, you know, some, you also are one of those rare guys who, who work with some high level guys, but who, who still also work with double middle school and younger kids. And I think that's, I think that's really unique. And why do you, I mean, I don't, I know that, you know, probably from a business standpoint, the younger kids kind of help out the bottom line. But, but I also know that for a fact that there are many discussions together. You have a passion for coaching that, that level also. So could you tell us a little bit about how, how important you think staying involved in that, that age group is to you in your business? Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, like you mentioned, they have, you have some players that are, are very good. Guys who are on, in the past several years, we've had guys who've gotten drafted and this year they're guys who are on draft boards and, you know, guys with several NBA teams. And, you know, that's, you know, that's great. Um, and it's fun to work with those guys and the work is extremely detailed and, and very, very intricate in every regard. Um, but just for me personally, I mean, this, this past fall, Coach Dixon, who you, you know, who you had on last week, you know, we did a little middle school academy and we would get in and, you know, you're working on the basic fundamentals and some of the kids are just there because parents signed them up, but they work hard and they have fun. You teach them a few things and, you know, there's a, there are a lot of laughs and a lot of smiles and the level of, obviously the level of teaching isn't anywhere near what it is with a high level guy, but I mean, that's where we all started. Um, and kind of going back to the age old adage of never forgetting where you came from every time. Every time I'm in a gym with a kid like that, it just reminds me of, of who I was when I was, when I was in middle school. And there's no pressure for scholarships. There's no pressure for prep schools or reclass or this or that. Like it's just kids who want to put the ball in the basket and have fun. And, you know, when you spend an hour with those kids, as long as they're working hard, smiling and laughing, you leave it, you leave the gym feeling rejuvenated and ready to do it again. And it's, you know, it's just very, very rewarding. Um, in, in a way that's something far, far greater than being able to say, like, this kid's in the league or this kid has a scholarship. It's something, it's just very real. It's very genuine. The kids don't want anything out of it other than to have fun. I think so, you know, and I think, it's, I think what I get out of it is I just love to see, you know, them come from week one or day one and then three or four days later of working out, um, whether that be three or four weeks or three or four sessions, whatever that may be, just seeing how much they love it even more because they're trying, you know, they're right. accomplishing something, they're successful and, Coach, look what I look what I learned how to do, and it could just be the smallest little thing, which is like the biggest world to them, you know. And I, I just love to see that. I had uh, one, uh, I had a little fourth grade session last night after my practice, and there's one little girl who's just a, an outstanding. She's just an outstanding young lady. She's been taking lessons since she was second second grade, and um, she's showing me she could almost do reverse. She just she almost had figured it out. <laughs> she almost figured it out. She's still not quite tall enough, really. To, to get the ball up there over, you know, backwards like that, but she's almost got it figured out. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! And she was just having the best time, just showing that. She just and that the first thing that come to the gym and her and it was her turn. She's like ready to show me that. Look what I've been I've been working on. Okay, that sounds oh, that's great. great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we actually need that today, but that looks good. <laughs> right. <laughs> you also have done like an outstanding job over the last. Um, probably forever, but after the last three or four years for sure of just finding some great young talent in the coaching field and kind of like bringing them in as your family and developing them. And one thing that I think that is um, underrated is the fact that you're not bringing up guys, selling them a package, bringing up guys, you know, selling them uh, a certification. What you're doing is you're bringing up, you're bringing in guys who are basketball um, dedicated and you're kind of just, you know, 
mentoring them and bringing them up through the ranks and helping them get themselves established and helping them, you know, become, become, you know, better trainers, better coaches, better people. And on top of what the uh, tremendous people they already are. And I just want you to talk a little bit about, you know, what do you look for in, um, in some other trainers and some other talent and some other coaches looking to come up, you know, and, and gain some experience from you and with you. Right. Yeah. I've been, so it's more a testament to the guys who are reaching out. Like it's just been, it's been very fortunate the last, especially the last four or five years since you and I have known each other. Um, you know, guys have kind of reached out about being a part of camps and whatnot. And I, the biggest thing for me is you can pretty much tell right away, you know, what guys are, are looking for. Um, I got an email yesterday from a, a 17 year old kid who are, he said he already knows playing is not his route. He's going to try to manage in college. He wants to get into coaching. And he said, he would love to come help with uh, any camps in the summer and do, he was like, I can do anything at all. No job is too small. Um, I'll do any type of manager work. And it's those type of guys that are more impressive to me than guys who clearly want something, you know, they want something tangible. They want more clients. They want, you know, they want something handed to them. Um, and then, so with, with some guys like, like Marcus Dixon and Mike Shaughnessy and, and Trey Hensley, they very much came in with that attitude of just wanting to learn, wanting to grow, uh, wanting to wanting to be a part of something, and then they just happen to be great basketball minds as well. And you know, it's you know, I can't I can't say it enough. Like it's not me, it's not me mentoring them. Um, while, while I hope they've learned things from me, and I hope that what I do, both right and wrong, has helped help them, you know, kind of find their own way. I, I mean, I learned just as much from them. It's it really is a family. Um, you know, not just we're not just putting up a, a hashtag on Instagram and we we talk all the time. We you know, guys if something's going on, guys will drive, guys will get together, we you know, try to get together to do more than just basketball. Um and I, I mean there are varying perspectives out there and this is nothing at all against guys who, who sell packages and you have to pay to be a part. Um but for me, like I'd rather have a family and you don't pay to be a part of a family, you you know, you earn that and been very fortunate with with those guys and obviously yourself who you know some of the guys who work the summer camps who have their own businesses like it's that's the group that we have and I think the common theme is we all we all try to do it for the right reasons and then after that everything takes care of itself absolutely and I think that's you know um I want to save talking about the, the 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 big summer camp for another podcast where we can kind of you know talk about the things that we get to, that we get to experience there and do there um, and just let people know just, you know, a short little thing is that how incredible I think that that, that summer camp that you put on is. Um, and the people that are involved in that are just, are just tremendous, tremendous young people who, um, I've gotten the great pleasure of, of watching and, and seeing just grow each and every one of them, including yourself and from the very first, the very first year I was involved, which was the second year of the camp. I think that, um, overall, it just seems like you just top up a new guy. Who is just a top of the line, great human being. I mean, these guys are great basketball minds, much like yourself, but I cannot speak well enough about just the overall person that all, all of you are. And it's just, it's a pleasure every year they have to be able to go down there and, and work with these, with these young people and, and with yourself. It's very much a treat and something that I, that I don't take for granted at all. Um, actually, I'm, I think I'm probably the first one always to say, if you want me back. <laughs> <laughs> I think I always say that everything. You're like, 
あ、いやあ。あ、なんもう一度問題です。あ、I'm sure. <laughs> We, okay, so also you, on top of doing the training, you also coach a high school team and a high school private school there in Virginia. What, what do you, what did you learn by going and being on the bench that helped you become a better trainer or a better player development? Right. So I'll, I'll first say, like, when I, when I first started, um, assisting with the high school team, which was, you know, six or seven, I guess six years ago, I, I had no intention of, you know, I just thought I would never want to be a head coach. Um, and then it just kind of, as the years went by and I learned more and got more involved. And then, you know, the head, head coaching job that I have now kind of, kind of fell into my lap. You know, I was very fortunate. Um, but I think being on the, Being on a bench gives you a bit, an entirely new perspective towards the training side.、Um, I'm sure I was probably guilty of it very early on in my training career. It's, it's very easy to sit there and, you know, kind of not necessarily be biased towards the kids that you're working with, but you don't see the full picture. And, you know, high school coaches, and as you know, obviously you've coached high school, you are coaching high school, you've coached AAU. There's a lot that goes on and coaches can kind of catch a bad rap from trainers a lot of time because little Johnny isn't being utilized correctly. But there's so much that goes into it. There's, I mean, little Johnny may have, his girlfriend who, they're sophomores, his girlfriend may have broken up with him. So he had a terrible week and he's just been checked out. And, you know, it's training helps, helps develop players. It's absolutely essential for guys who want to maximize themselves. But at the same time, you're not dealing with playing time. You're not dealing with, Parents who are concerned about playing time or why their kid didn't make it or why their kid's this position and not that position.、Um, so I think early on in my career as a trainer, I, I didn't have as, as much respect for, for that regard as I probably should have.、Uh, you know, when you are training and you've got an individual kid in the gym, like you were working with that single chess piece. But when you get into a, you know, when you're coaching a high school team, it's, It's a full game of chess. The board is always moving. The, you know, obviously there's the other team and then parents are sometimes changing out the chess pieces and it's just, it's a much, much different battle where a whole lot more goes into it than just basketball.、Um, I think the basketball piece is the easiest part for high school coaches because if you're committed to what you do, you have your system, you, you know, you know the game a little bit. As long as you're doing it for the right reason, you're probably going to positively impact those kids.、Um, But it's all the other pieces that make things a little bit crazier that in working on both sides extensively, you don't have to deal with that at all as a trainer, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, a whole, it's a whole different outlook of a whole different world. <laughs> right. And I, and I think that, you know, I think that what the truest thing you said there was is that sometimes as, you know, a trainer, Uh, you're looking on the, you're looking at your players. You're looking at that one player that, or that two or three players you work with and you're thinking about,、right. my, my kid can do this, this, and this. Why isn't he or she on the court? And you don't understand all the things that are going on in the background or all the, or how the chemistry is going to match up or what somebody else's strengths or weaknesses are. And you kind of, you know, naturally help, you know, publicize or help up for your kid. You kind of want,、right. you want the best for the kids you work with. And so you kind of think、right. that they should, you know, be out there playing. <laughs> <Right> . <laughs> Whereas, Absolutely. Whereas a high school coach, you kind of can sit back and say, oh, okay, now I see this, this, and this, and this, and, you know, or, you know, 
they got in trouble at school and that's why they didn't play this game or anything, any of those circumstances. So you got a bigger view of, of overall what's going on. And I just think it, I think it gave me years ago when I did it and currently when I do it, um, it just gives me a bigger, a more of a wide scope lens to look at things right. rather than just a narrow scope to look Absolutely. at things. So a big discussion going on, and this here's the main topic I think of what I want to talk about today, is just the state of youth basketball. And I think that we that if we just look at social media, and I, you know, I get a lot, I, I love, I like, I get a lot of things, you know, um, interactions on social media. That's actually how I met you years ago. Seems like many, many years ago. I don't think it was really that long. But <laughs> it, seems, it seems like twenty, but it wasn't that long because you had been like ten. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that there's a lot of interactions and there's a lot of great information you can get from social media, but I think if you look at the overall scope of social media, it's like youth basketball is like in a crisis mode 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. And I have a tendency not to look at youth basketball in such a drier straight. I do understand there are, there are, you know, things that can be made better. There's things that can be made better with everything as far as I'm concerned. Um, but, I don't look at it, you know, as, as a disaster overall. What are your thoughts on the state of youth basketball and not just from a playing, but also from a fundamental and player development angle? Right. Yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> I think like you said, if you get on social media and you take that to heart, like we should just do away with all, all youth <laughs> basketball altogether. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, it's just, there, there are more train. There are more trainers than ever before. Um, and while I think a lot of times guys who are who are doing it full time and they're doing it well are, you know, they kind of speak down to that. But at the same time, those those guys, as long as they're trying to do it for the right reason, there are people who are out there seeking to develop and work with kids. You know, more than there ever has been before. I know. I think back to like when I was in high school and in college you know, 2005 to 2010, and it was constantly kids don't have enough skill, kids aren't skilled enough, kids this, kids that. Well, now, I mean, most people would say players are, you know, they're more skilled than they were at that time. Um, so now guys are saying, well, kids aren't tough enough, they're not playing enough. Um, with 05 to 2010, it was they were playing way, way, way too much. There's just, yeah, yeah. It, Absolutely. it's so easy to, right, it's so easy to, to look at grassroots basketball and say, man, like, there's so much wrong with it, but if you look at what you can control and you kind of step back, it's not all that bad. And I know there's a, a, a local rec league here, here where I live in Central Virginia that has like 1,500 kids. And if you took the elite trainers of the world and went and watched a practice, they'd probably pick some parts of it apart. And they need to do this. They need to do that. They need to do this. But at the same time, gym space is limited. A lot of times, you know, kids are on a half court. There are a lot of young kids in that 8 to 12 year old age range where parents just sign them up like they just sign their kids up because it's the sport that's in season and they want them get, want for them to have something to do um, we can always improve but I, I mean I think you look at anything anything in the world right now any niche any anything whether it's <clears throat> excuse me whether I mean it's engineering medicine politics there's there you can pick apart anything and especially now with social media everybody has a voice Everybody who has a voice is also omniscient and thinking that they know what everybody else should be doing. Um, but for me personally, like kind of like you said, I try to kind of try to deflect all that, and 
I mean, the number one place to look if you want to try to fix youth basketball is right in the mirror and figure out what Absolutely. you can do in your area. Get off of Twitter. If you have a real problem with youth basketball, then contact USA Basketball. If you think there need to be regulations in your state, then if it's that serious, go speak to your representatives. Like for me, being on social media is just slacktivism and it's easy to get on your keyboard and have your cup of coffee and tell everybody else what they need to do. You know, get off, get off your tail and go do something real. Um, and if it doesn't mean that much to you, then, then just sit back and enjoy that. Like kids, like a lot of youth kids more than ever are playing basketball in that grassroots middle school age group. Let's, mm-hmm. let's look at that as a success. Let's champion that. Let's, you know, let's kind of congratulate USA basketball for the new rules they're implementing. Let's, Hey, at least NCAA is trying to fix AAU. It might not be perfect, but they are taking the steps. Um, there are a lot of positives in our game right now, and I think we need to focus on those, champion those, you know, worry about what we control, and I mean that's the only way to live happily. Absolutely, <laughs> I don't. I don't think that too much, too much negativity for some reason on social media gains attention, and <laughs> I, you know, and I, I just think that if positivity gains half the attention negativity does, we wouldn't even need to have this discussion. But it just doesn't. Right. In our minds, we're gravitated to, to somebody who's who's arguing with somebody else. And we want to jump in and right. throw our two cents in. And it really doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I remember growing up, I went to a basketball camp, and this coach told me, you know, blah, 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 do it this way, this way, this way. I went to the next basketball camp the next week because my parents would like, that's what, like, we, we didn't go on vacations. They like took their vacation money and like helped us go to basketball camps and locally. We live out in rural Missouri. And so right. we go to another basketball camp and that coach would tell us to do it X, Y, and Z style. And you just, right. you did it the way that you would, you would talk with the guy who was in front of you. And, um, right. another big thing, I guess recently is terminology and, you know, just the way people explain things and, I have a, a thought I gave on that yesterday in a video that probably was way too long. I was not happy about. <laughs> um, but I get on my little tangent sometimes and, and put that camera in here in the office or in the gym someplace and get my thoughts and two cents out there. But uh, what are your thoughts on just the different 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 ways to get your message across? I think that's again, like you said, going back to your point about negativity. That's been a that's been a big thing this fall, right? As people are are mm-hmm. huge on knocking terminology and, and my thing is if we went back whatever 50 years and you said in and out dribble coaches would look at you like what are, what are you talking about um yeah. when the game was first invented you know crawl if they said crossover then they you know, crossover I mean, look at some of the old videos on youtube guys yeah. dribbled around with their right hand all over the place yeah um so at that time those things were innovative those things were cutting edge brand new terminology and moves so I don't think that it all needs to be diminished. Uh, I was speaking with a, you know, University of Virginia assistant recently who was on staff with the Mavericks several years ago, and there's like a in the league there's a, a cut they call the chop cut that until he was explaining it to me and teaching it to me, I knew what it was, but there wasn't a term for it. Um, it you know, for me, obviously other people knew yeah. it. Um, so I don't think it all needs to be diminished. At the same time, it's like everything. Um, I don't think 12-year-olds need to be, you know, need to be taught inverted step back, toe touch, you know, extremely long thing. And I think that's, yeah. for me, that's where the issue lies. When you have, you know, simple terminology and you have those keys, those, you know, those vocal keys that help kids remember what they're, what they're working on. If you, mm-hmm. you know, if you have an exact term, um, like your point system, if you have an exact term, 
for what you know for a way to remember something that's obviously going to help them learn but in in no other aspect of life and I'm talking about educationally or or in science do you have these names that are you know 14 words long unless you have like <laughs> triple B, PhD bioengineering you know yeah. med students like they know that stuff but that's not who we're working with when we work with kids you know we're working with middle schoolers so the yeah. inverted reverse glide touch blah 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 like they're not going to remember that and the only place that looks good is on is on Instagram. Um, by the time they get to the league, if you have a kid who's that good and they've worked on several different things, and you know you kind of build, you know you build a whether it's a package of moves or you're developing some type of a read or you know, obviously we both heard Cody Topper talk this summer and about how many actions and offenses they had when they were with the Rockets. Yeah. At that level, those are your PhD basketball students, and they can mm-hmm. they can take a little bit more, but. I mean, you can correct me if, my, if I'm wrong. I know with, with my high school team, there are very few of it, if any of them, who need to be working on a 12-move combination that has a <laughs> no. unique, crazy name. Um, that's just not that's just not what they need. Um, no, it's at all. <laughs> and, and most uh, of them, you sometimes remember the name, they wouldn't remember it anyway. Right. Yeah, I tell I tell the kids sometimes, like, you know, if we're gonna if you're gonna do all that, like. All you need to remember is that this plus this plus this plus this is going to equal the bench because we're not we're not doing all that. It's, it's, that's way too much. Yes, that's for sure. You know, I'm always always tell them, can we just keep it as simple as possible because we can remember simple. <laughs> right. We have a tendency to overcomplicate things and forget what we're, what our main objective was was to put the ball in the hole. So, right, absolutely. Let's try to keep it as simple as we possibly can. But, you know, and, but once again, you know, I don't, I don't knock those other guys. You know, they, they want to post that stuff on Instagram. I can swipe right past their posts just as easily as I can stop and look at it. And right. I just, I don't, you know, I, sometimes I, I struggle with the, the, the mindset that, oh no, I'm going to say something negative on this person's post. I don't really have that much time in a day to just, just to stop, just to say something negative. And I might see right, something crazy right. and outside of itself and hit share and send it to a message to uh, to my guys. <laughs> right. And you like, did you see this? <laughs> but you know what? Those are private conversations. I'm not I'm not passing nobody out, you know, out in the middle of the street or something. And I, I just don't see the the, the the reason part of the, the where that where that leads to, how that solves anything. When right. you when you're coaching on your everyday basis, not only with your team. But with the, the players you get to work with, from the, the NBA guys to the, the pre-draft guys to the college guys to the high school guys, um, all the way down to your middle school kids, what is your approach? Is your approach more, and I know what your approach is, I just want you to talk about your approach a little bit more, a little bit. Um, do, are you more of a, this is the way it is, in the discussion guy, or are you more of a, this is why, this is why we do this, and then a question and answer guy? So you kind of... Which way do you kind of, 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 kind of, which way, which philosophy do you believe works the best with, for you and with your, your, with your players? Yeah, so I, I am absolutely a, this is the way it has to be. And that way is that there isn't one way. Um, mm-hmm. like I, I'm that. very, I'm very, you know, very big on that. And you talk about kind of a, you know, approach to training sessions. And of course it varies from age to age. Um, you know, take one of, you know, one of the players they had had for two or three years um, projected like into first round pick this year and we met after his college season last year talked about working out three times a week and 
two times a week we're going to be live game reads, reactions, separation moves. Then once a week was going to be extremely, extremely technical, just working on small little details and intricacies of, of his game. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody knows the Dirk fadeaway off of one foot. And, you know, the way this individual shoots, he can do that left-footed or right-footed because he kind of shoots it off of his shoulder. And most people yeah. can't do it, and he's right-handed. And so mm-hmm. most guys obviously can't do that. No. With their dominant hand off of their, you know, that then, yeah. you know, same dominant foot. Mm-hmm. So I kind of posted a video on Instagram and got got feedback and messages. You can't do it that way. He can't do it that way. Um, it's supposed to be off of the other foot. That's not natural. Um, and kind of like you said, in my mind, I'm just thinking, you know, you watched him do this all summer over, you know, projected lottery picks and over all ACC defensive guys. And there isn't the right way. The game has yeah. solutions. And for me, it's it's doing the best of my ability to recognize what individual players are able to do, what their go-tos are, and then, you know, not putting them in a box. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that it's dangerous to, caught up in, to get caught up in this way is, is the way. Um, you know, I, I'm perfectly fine, and I, I totally know and understand that if 100 guys worked out with me and then, you know, ten, nine other trainers – there's probably going to get at the end of that it would be split up and 10 would 10 would like me more and 10 would like you more and 10 would like somebody else more and that's that's fine and the way that I teach and the way that I go about things isn't going to appeal to everyone but it it can't be that we're so caught up in our own ways that we forget who it's actually about and that's that's the player and you know I've said it before there are I've had guys you know one who's in the league now with the Hawks who love to do two ball drills and he would come in with, like, YouTube videos and, you know, can we do this two-ball drill? And he loved to do that stuff to warm up. Um, mm-hmm. I've had other guys who only want to do completely game-specific work. They, you know, they don't want to do any of that, any ball handling. They just want to be, you know, live one-on-one moves or ball screens or reads and reactions. Um, but for me, it's about finding what works and what helps, what helps build not only their skill but their confidence and then – you know, implementing that, I think one of the one of our biggest weaknesses as as coaches in general, uh, where we could do a better job, you know, in a way that teachers have to, is we have to be able to identify, understand, and then adapt our teaching to learning style differences. And having one system that you know is is so deeply cemented in one way, it's going to be hard to adapt that. Um, we just kind of have to be fluid and again understanding that it's about the players and serving them. And if, if that's not it, if that's not our goal, then you know, in my opinion, we're not doing it for the right reasons. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I love how we started off really we started off your your background with serving others, and we're going to kind of end it and wrap it up here with the same statement of just serving others. And he, and the years I've known you, and um, the many many conversations we have almost on a daily basis, <laughs> right? That, uh, I think that it's just a testament, you know, it's not, it's just not hearsay. It's just, it's a testament to the way that you run everything that you're involved with is the service, is the serving others. And, you know, how you're always, you're always talking about, and our discussions always involve, you know, how does it, you know, work for other kids? How does it work for your players and what your players are getting out of it? Or what's, what's the best solution we can have for, for, you know, for the players to get the most out of this, or this, or out of that. And I just think that's a testament to, um, to just your dedication to, to kids. And I want people to understand that there, there could, there's a hundred, 
hundreds and hundreds, thousands probably of trainers out there. And there's plenty of good guys out there. And there's, I'm sure there's plenty of, of not so um, good stuff out there. I'm sure there is. I don't really, you know, go around and, and find those guys or seek those guys out. Um, but I think that if you just go out there and you find people who are genuinely interested in servicing others, then you're going to find people that are, that are generally going to be a good, a good match with what you're trying to do for your child. And I think right, that's absolutely. Like you said, we've, we've kind of talked repeatedly and, you know, the, the 1% is, is what people champion. The kids that are getting scholarships, the kids that are, are going on to play at the next level, whether that's college or the NBA. And, you know, I've been, I'm guilty of that myself. You know, I fully understand that and been fortunate to, to work with a lot of high level, you know, to work with a lot of high level guys and girls. Um, and it's fun and it's rewarding. But it, but at the end of the day, for me, you know, it's also important that what we do and why we do it and what we're about serves that 99%, that, you know, that seventh grader who's hoping to make his middle school team or, the 10th grader who got cut from got cut from varsity and is trying to, to trying to come back and make it the next year and it's the impact that we're able to provide on the you know on the player development side and the coaching side can be so much so much bigger and so much greater than than simply athletics and I think that's so cliche to say and I think every you know it's organizations across the country they say that it's more than basketball it's this it's life um, but I, you know I think I think you would agree where where we differ is we're not just going to say that we're actually going to we're going to work on those things we're going to work on being able to be a part of a team and be a leader and your ability to communicate and your mentality not just towards the game but you know but towards basketball and you know to your point in serving players you know when you when you have all that in mind and it is more than just a game um it is those life skills as well you know and in my opinion you can't go wrong um and that's not that's not saying that model is perfect. That's not saying that that's the way to go. You know, some guys obviously are, it's strictly basketball. It's, it's basketball, basketball, basketball. But, but at least for me, you know, I know that, you know, when kids leave, leave our camps or our training sessions, um, they're, they're hopefully going to leave with a message that, that extends far beyond the game. And, you know, that's something that, you know, just can't be taken for granted. Absolutely. That's a hundred percent true. You know, it's something that I think that, we spend a lot of time on, and you know, I, I know I do, and I know that the guys that driven do, and I know that you do, and, they, and the guys that driven, they don't are with driven because those are the kind of guys that they naturally are, and that is just trying to make sure we put no matter how what's going on, we will always put those those players' needs and and their growth ahead of anything else that we have going on at that moment. And I just right, think that absolutely. It's, 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 I think it's, it's if more people would just you know seek out the people who are doing that, then. You know, they would just have a lot more successful um, experiences in youth in youth sports overall, not just basketball, but every youth sport. Because there's guys doing Absolutely. that in every sport, um, and there's then you know, and that's also to say there are plenty. And I know high school coaches at this time of the year are starting are going to start pretty soon in a month or so, getting a bad rap. But there are plenty of high school coaches out there doing the same thing, trying to trying to just make the best experience for each kid, and it's a hard job. Um, to, to do that at that at a, at a public school or private school level when you have that many kids to, to work with. But I think if you just right, look at the sure. right time and look at what people are really trying to do and their real intentions, I think you'll find the good ones out there. I want to end this by just encouraging everybody, if you're in the East Coast area, if you're visiting there, you're you live there within three or four, five, six, seven, eight hours, 
of of Damon, reach out, reach out. See if you can get in the gym. It will be a it will be a basketball changing experience for you. If you have an opportunity to attend one of his his camps or events, um, you know, make sure you do that. Make sure you do that. You come ready to learn. You come ready to work hard. Come ready to listen and absorb as much as you possibly can. Personally, I don't think that I have come across a more dedicated servant to his players than Damon is. And um, I would say that if you were on the podcast, if you weren't on the podcast, no matter what, it's been a pleasure to have you here today. It's been a pleasure to be able to work with you in the last four or five years, and hopefully it lasts for a lot longer than that in the future. You've been a great friend of mine, and um, you've just you've just really, really regenerated, rejuvenated um, my belief in that there's great guys out there. You're definitely, definitely one of them. So I appreciate your time, brother. Appreciate you giving up your middle of your day before you have to go to practice real quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, for having me on. Um, you know, and everything. Everything that you said, I you know, echo it right back in your direction. Um, for those of you who are listening, if you're not in, in the St. Louis area, make sure you check out Coach Rowe and his clinics and everything he does. He's, he's selfless. He does a phenomenal job. Um, he's he's one of the good guys. And I said a lot like he's, he's one of us. You know, everything that he said, I, it, it's right back at him. Um, it'd be very much worth your time to, to give him a call. I appreciate it, brother. You have a great day. And thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Thank you, bud. All right, man. I'm going to let you go. Awesome. Thank you. That was fun. All right, man. Thank you. Bye.